بودكاست لونش توك حلقة رقم 008 أول بودكاست كويتي متخصص في تغطية الأحداث والإطلاقات في عالم الأعمال في العالم وفي الكويت بشكل خاص قدم لكم محدثكم خالد الزنكي وهدفنا في البودكاست توفير معلومات متنوعة في البزنس بودكاست لونش توك يعتبر أحد برامج لونش اون فاير والحلقة هذه راح تكون باللغة الإنجليزية And this episode will be in English language في البداية خلونا نشكر الشركات الراعية لبودكاست لونشون فاير الراعي الاستراتيجي وزارة الدولة لشؤون الشباب والراعي الشريك شركة علي الغانم وأولاده للسيارات والراعي الذهبي أسنان تاور ونشكر الجهات الإعلامية الراعية بعد سنسكيب مجلة المصارف مجلة ذا سيتي مجلة الإعلامي وجريدة الكويتية نحو شباب متمسك بالقيم والإبداع وشريك في التنمية المستدامة للوطن هذه رؤية وزارة الشباب اللي تأسست بمرسوم أميري في 2013 تقدرون تعرفون عنهم أكثر بموقعهم الإلكتروني www.youth.gov.kw أو تابعوهم بتويتر أو الإنستغرام شركة على الغانم وأولاده للسيارات هي الوكيل الحصري والموزع المعتمد لمجموعة سيارات ماكلارن، لاند روفر، روز رويز، بي أم دبليو وميني في الكويت تابعوهم على الانستغرام آت على الغانم سونز علشان تشوفون آخر العروض والسيارات الجديدة اللي وصلت المعرض أول بأول الأسنان هي سر جاذبية أي واحد فينا ابتسامتك وجاذبيتك تكون متميزة وخصوصا إذا كانت ابتسامتك هولوودية وفي البزنس لها دور في مستوى تأثيرك في الناس اللي حواليك أسنان تاور أكبر العيادات في الشرق الأوسط والمتميزة في علاج وتجميل الأسنان في الكويت اتصل على أسنان تاور واحجز موعدك اليوم على 257-3666 شركة سينما الكويتية الوطنية سينسكيب عندهم أكثر من 12 ألف كرسي في 12 موقع في الكويت أفلامهم متنوعة من أكشن وكوميديا ودراما ورعب وإثارة وتشويق مع سينسكيب تعيش الدور وأكثر من 60 سنة وسينسكيب في خدمتكم مجلة المصارف مجلة متخصصة للبنوك في الكويت ينشرها اتحاد مصارف الكويت الإعلام وهو واجهة المجتمعات هو اللي يعرف الناس على تفاصيل كل مجتمع The City مجلة كويتية باللغة الإنجليزية تبرز كل إيجابيات المجتمع الكويتي وتسلط الضوء على إنجازات ونجاحات شباب الكويت والخليج هدفها الوصول إلى العالمية مجلة The City من الكويت إلى العالم مجلة الإعلامي مجلة شهرية تصدر عن الملتقى الإعلامي العربي واللي يهدف إلى تعزيز الهوية الإعلامية العربية من خلال وسائل الإعلام المتنوعة كل شيء يتعلق بشؤون الإعلام العربي والإعلاميين تلقونه على موقع المجلة الإعلامي.com الكويتية جريدة يومية شاملة تسعى لمواكبة التطورات المحلية والإقليمية والعالمية بشكل موضوع مبتكر الكويتية مرجع أساسها المصداقية من مبادئها احترام الرأي والرأي الآخر تلقون آخر الأخبار على الكويتية.com Okay, let's get started with today's episode in Launch Talk Podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Mr. Edward Renzi. Ed, are you ready for the launch? I am. 
Awesome. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Mr. Edward is the former president and CEO of McDonald's. He started working for the company in 1966 as a grillman and a part-time manager. He was promoted to nearly every position, both in the restaurant and in the field offices throughout the 31 years that he have served in the company. President Ronald Reagan recognized Ed for his charity work with Ronald McDonald Children Charity. I have given our listeners just a little overview uh, about you, Ed. Take a minute or so to tell us about yourself. Well, I was going to college at Ohio State University in the United States, and I was going to be a school teacher. I was going to teach physical sciences. And I found myself in a situation where I needed a job quickly, and I walked across the street. There was a big sign in the window that said, Help Wanted. And I knew I was good help, and I went in and applied for a job. And it was McDonald's. I didn't know it at the time. And they said they paid 85 cents an hour U.S. And I said, well, can I work 100 hours a week because I need $85 to live on? They said yes. And I ended up, I I had no intention of staying there forever, but I worked uh, for 32-plus years and uh, uh, continued with a little consulting work after that. And uh, it was the greatest run anybody could ever have. And I'm so excited and thrilled to get you into our conversation today. But before we do... We always start our podcast with a success code, so take it away. Well, I, I guess uh, when I think about a success code, I think it more broadly than just a code. Um, uh, my attitude is that people well-trained and well-led can do remarkable things, and um, I find that if I focus on people, sales, and profit in that order, uh, I'm always going to be successful. And one of the things that I think that is part of that is Uh, You have to be very fact-based. You have to be data-oriented. You have to collect data, analyze it carefully. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that your employees are customers first and employees second. If you treat them uh, as if you treat your best customer, then they'll perform in a great way. So value people, focus on revenue and sales building, and then generate the kind of profits you need to survive. Awesome. Would you give us a story that emphasizes on this quote? Well, it's kind of, uh, you know, our franchisees at McDonald's weren't really employees, but we had to treat our franchisees with the same kind of respect. And I had a franchisee in Cincinnati, Lou Grone, who was a bit of a contrarian, a little bit out of the out of the box kind of a guy. And he started creating unauthorized equipment. And in a in a franchising organization, consistency and process are very important. Well, he started creating this equipment, and I had a confrontation with him one day, and I said, Lou, you just can't do the kinds of things you're doing. You're just totally busting the McDonald's system, and ultimately it's not going to work. And he said, young man, let me tell you something. Do not ever let bureaucracy stifle ingenuity, because Mm. innovation is the success of the future. I've never forgotten that. It was a very profound moment for me. It's amazing how people actually look at things when they do their business. And what I really wanted to do right now to dive into the main or the major topic of today, which is leadership role in business, specifically in small businesses. Based on your experience, what is the difference between strategic leadership and management? Well, leadership is strategic and management is tactical. Uh, Leaders have to have a vision, they have to have a passion, and they have to be able to provide to people that are underneath them and around them 
uh, and understanding what that vision and passion is all about. Uh, you can't lead strategically unless people buy into the vision you have. So you, you have to have a strategic vision. You have to have a, a strategic, strategic statement. Once you have that and you have a position where your behaviors, your beliefs, and your values follow along with that, then you're in a situation where managers can execute against that with tactics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a, a long conversation with a colonel uh, and a major in the Marine Corps um, in, uh, in Virginia, Quantico, Virginia. And they said that this one of the problems of business from their point of view is that they can that business leaders confuse leadership with management. And one's strategic and one is tactical. And to understand those differences are really important. Awesome. And I'm sure throughout your leadership in McDonald's, you have had failures. We want to hear one of your failure stories and what lessons you learned. Well, I, I got a, I've got a million failures. Uh, they're easy to come by. But as a result <laughs> of the process of trial and error, learning, developing strategies, and becoming more adept at understanding what facts were, how to analyze those facts, I, I came to the conclusion that you can create a plan, I call a plan uh, plan A, and you can start to execute that plan and you learn all the things that are wrong and the mistakes you're making. So I come to learn to fast fail, fail forward, give your people support, and relish plan B, because plan B should be the plan that repairs all the mistakes you made with plan one. But usually business owners, they go with the plan A, they don't go with the plan B. People get wedded to an idea. They, they fall in love with something and they don't have enough sense to back away from it and listen. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing perfect about business. It is an art, not a science. Mm-hmm. And as your customers change, as the market change, you better be flexible, you better adapt, and you better go to plan B when you need to. Awesome. Ed, from all the lessons you had, from all the failures, what is the one main important lesson you learned? Well, I, I say that uh, people are the greatest asset that any business has, and uh, but they're going to let you down. Uh, I say in the restaurant business, if it wasn't for your employees, your customers, and your suppliers, it'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality of it is you need people to run a business, and people are fickle. They have good days and they have bad days, and you be, need to be patient with them. You need to give them leadership. And I say this, if you tell them what you're going to expect, and then you inspect what you expect, you're going to get the results you need. Awesome. And let's go right now to another side of our conversation. Let's talk about the aha moment you had in your journey in business. Really take us there and share with us that moment. Well, I I guess uh, if I ever had a serious regret in McDonald's that had to do with solid waste disposal, the green movement, uh, styrofoam packaging versus paper packaging, and so on. And because I have a science background, I knew that styrofoam was better for the environment than paper products, even though paper is renewable. Styrofoam is a waste uh, product of the oil industry and used to get burned or buried. And when they found out how to turn it into styrofoam packaging, it it helped the product uh, stay warm and fresh and what have you. Mm -hmm. But the perception was that styrofoam was bad for the environment. And the way we were building landfills in the United States, nothing biodegrades. There's no oxygen. There's no water. There's no bacteria. It just sits there encapsulated in clay and plastic. And the customers didn't believe that. They thought that paper packaging was much better. 
And that's the day I realized when I'd gone through about six weeks of fighting that battle on science versus perception, I realized that perception is reality with consumers. Mm -hmm. And you better pay attention to their reality, not your reality. And it was a very difficult thing to do. Uh, but I changed the package at McDonald's and got rid of the styrofoam boxes for sandwiches and went to paper, mm -hmm. uh, even though my personal belief was different than that. Our customers wanted something, and I gave it to them. Tough decision, but I had to do true, it. True, true, true. Awesome. What was the leadership moment that you are proud of? Well, uh, it's half accident and half on purpose. Uh, this past October the 15th, we celebrated the 40th anniversary of Ronald McDonald's Children's Charities, and it's the Ronald McDonald House. This was a facility that was the dream of Dr. Audrey Evans, who created a protocol to cure leukemia and certain leukemias in children. And she wanted a halfway house that the siblings, the parents, and family members of that child could reside together near the hospital where that child was getting treatment. Mm -hmm. And we're now over 360 Ronald McDonald houses. And when I was approached to do this program in 1973, it was, I said, well, if you call it the Ronald McDonald House, I'll give you all of our uh, revenue from the St. Patrick's Day green mint-flavored milkshake. And wow, uh, I did nice. that in Philadelphia. And so... There were some other people that were involved, Dr. Evans and Jimmy Murray and, and Fred and Fran Hill, whose daughter had leukemia that caused this all to came about. But I, I am so proud of what they did in that Ronald House, I can't tell you, because we have saved families, we've saved wow. children, and we have saved communities because of the work of the Ronald House. That's great. And there is one leadership question in people's head always. They ask, is leadership a trait you are born with, or is it something you acquire over time with experience? I think everybody's born with leadership skills. I also think you can train and develop leadership skills. I don't think it's either or, I think it's both. Um, but some people naturally follow and some people naturally lead. But I find the best leaders are the best followers because it's about teamwork at the end of the day. It's about mm -hmm. how well you cooperate, how well you train your team to function in a certain way. So I guess essentially what I'm saying, mankind has a capacity to do great things if the individual challenges themselves to get smarter and better every day. Okay, great, outstanding. And this is leading us to the, the next question. How important is education and knowledge in the role of becoming a successful leader? Or well, you know, when I was uh, in college and I had to leave and go work for McDonald's, I swore that I'd never read another book, write another paper, study again. I didn't want anything to do with education. I just wanted to go to work and make money and take care of my life. Mm -hmm. And I had been studying and reading and writing ever since. You cannot be successful in business or life if you don't continually educate yourself about the future, the past, and what may or may not be. Innovation mm -hmm. comes about because of study and hard work. And um, I up until recently was reading three books a week. I'd read a book on business and business management and business-related subjects. I'd read something of historical fiction about what's happened in the past. No matter what country it might be in, I studied for a long time about the origins of Italy and where it came from. Um, I think you have to educate yourself more and more every day. Mm -hmm. The American consumer and the world consumer moves very, very quickly. And with the advent of smartphones and Internet and computers and the cloud and all the rest of it, 
the world is becoming very, very similar across all cultures. You know, I spent mm-hmm. the day today with some fine young Kuwaiti citizens. And I'll tell you, it was a beautiful thing to be with them, to talk about the future. Um, I think you have to study a lot. I want to. I want to visit cultures. I want to visit people. I want to read up on them. Before I came on this trip to Kuwait, I spent a considerable amount of time looking at the history and the, the culture of Kuwait because I wanted to appreciate it. I didn't want to offend anybody here. I want to be part of who the people of Kuwait are because they're my customers at the end of the day. They're my work cohorts. I want to be part of the world community. And we've got to study to do that. Awesome. And we are excited, actually, to have you come to Kuwait. And this is your first visit to the Middle East, right? It is. First visit to the Middle East. Awesome. What is the number one advice that you would give business owners to take their business to the next level? Well, I think, first of all, strategic planning is essential. Developing a sense of beliefs, behaviors, and values is really important because business leaders get lost. I don't care how big the business is. Why did I get into this business? What were my goals and objectives? What did I believe about this business? How did I want to behave and so on? Mm -hmm. And people drift away from that. You need a strategic plan to bring you back to your core of what you believe. And that's what entrepreneurs are very good at. Entrepreneurs don't take risk. They're very calculating, they're very studied, and they watch what they're doing. And they, they have a plan and they stick with it. But you have to be flexible, too. Mm-hmm. You have to follow the customer. So be very fact-based. Take the data you have, analyze it carefully, and really know your customers. Ask the question, mm-hmm. what do you want from me and my company, and how can I deliver it better? But usually they promote entrepreneurship or entrepreneurs to take risk. Uh, that's I don't believe that. I, I hear people say that all the time. Gamblers are risk-takers. They're not entrepreneurs. And if you look at any corporation today is successful, one of the things they spend a lot of time on is risk mitigation. How do we put ourselves in a position where we can reduce risk? Cost is risk. Mm -hmm. If you get costs out of the business, you can be successful. If you look at Walmart, a huge international company, they are maniacally focused on reducing risk, in other words, cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think entrepreneurs that have been eminently successful are people who mitigate risk, Mm -hmm. who they spread it. They they get investors and they they look across the spectrum of opportunity. Um, They don't take a lot of risk. They're pretty careful. And sometimes they face a problem or a challenge with overcoming competition in the market. So how would they make their business kind of unique in order to attract the right customers to their business? Well, every business is going to have a competitor eventually. If you're really, really successful, it's easy to knock you off. And, you know, look at, look at if you look at the smartphones today, how many more and more of them are coming online, more and more innovation. I think the success of the future for small businesses and big businesses is innovation. We need technology to reduce labor. In the restaurant industry in the United States, labor is 35% of revenue. Mm-hmm. That's a huge labor component. Apple, for example, is less than 2% uh, content in labor. We have to use technology and innovation to replace labor costs. We just can't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think as you go forward in any business, you've got to be fact-based, you've got to know your customer, and you've got to pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm. I used to say, you know, my boss used to tell me, Ray Kroc, Scrub the corners of the floor, the middle will always be clean. If you scrub the middle, the corners may not be clean. So based on my interaction with the interviews that I have done in Launch on Fire podcast, I interviewed almost 50 business owners in Kuwait. 
And the biggest challenge that I face, some of them, they aren't to denial stage of accepting there is a competition in the market. What would you advise them? Well, there's going to be competition in the market, and you need to know them as well as you know yourself, and you should engage in disruptive leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, disruptive leadership says, I know my customer, and I pay attention to the least of my customer, just like I pay attention to the best of my customer. Because new emerging companies in your category will not go after your biggest customer. They'll go after your smallest customer, and then your next smallest customer, and then your next smallest customer. And pretty soon, you find out that 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers, and 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your SKUs. And disruptive management says that I put you on my agenda instead of you being on your agenda. And oh. I did this with McDonald's one time uh, with Wendy's. Wendy's was introducing breakfast, and breakfast is a very important part of the McDonald's profitability and sales. And my team said, let's go get them. Let's get after that breakfast, and let's just, let's just knock them down on breakfast. I said, no, they don't have a budget to introduce breakfast, because it's expensive to introduce a new product line for a whole day part. You gotta have more managers, you gotta have more hourly employees, you gotta have new products, more storage space. It's expensive to do it, plus you gotta advertise it. Mm -hmm. I said, let's go after their hamburger business with everything we've got. Let's go after their hamburger business with everything we've got, because they can't do both. Mm -hmm. They can't defend their hamburger business and build their breakfast business. And wow. that's exactly what we did. And we hammered them for a good solid two years on hamburgers. And what breakfast do they sell today? Disruptive leadership says disrupt their plan. Stay focused on what you do best and get better. But don't ignore the competition. Mm -hmm. you, you, the only way you can do a better job than they do is to do a better job than, than they, they do. do. Awesome. What is the best advice you ever received, uh, Ed, over the years? <laughs> I suppose it was from my dad and mom when they said, uh, uh, go to work and give your employer a full day's work for a full day's pay uh, and be loyal to the company you go to work for. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that contributed into your success? <laughs> well, I, um, I don't sleep very much. And um, I've always gone to bed late and wake up early. You know, if, I, if, if I'm sleeping 35 to 40% less than my competitor, then I got 35 to 40% more of my time to be prepared to do commerce the next day. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose that I just outwork anybody. You, you, you know, you may outthink me, but you're sure not going to outwork me. So I just work hard. How many hours do you sleep per day on average? Uh, probably four and a half on average, probably six some days and probably three other days and um i recently got married in uh in june to barbara and oh, who i've known for 28 years and uh um <laughs> i think she found it a little odd that i go to bed at 11 12 o'clock at night and get out of bed at 2 30 morning <laughs> and i used to before i got married i'd stay up all night for two or three days in a row i just wow. didn't need to go to sleep i was busy i was working i'd get focused on something and mm -hmm. uh I've changed my lifestyle a little bit, but not a lot. Just work hard and get up early and go to bed. And do you take care of your health? I do pretty much, yeah. The only thing I do, if I had a real bad habit when it comes to food, I eat out all the time. In fact, today we toured Kuwait and ate in different restaurants, looked at different restaurants, looked at menus, and I sample, 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 sample. 
And um, I, you know, I don't want to know how many calories I eat a day, but you know that's the one thing that worries me a little bit is, you know, I'm a I'm a big guy and I don't want to get much mm-hmm. bigger. Let me ask you this question because you're into the food business and you've been in so many different places today. How do you see the food business in Kuwait based on your first impression so far? I think there's an enormous amount of opportunity. I, I was frankly surprised at how many U.S. businesses are here, restaurant businesses are here. Um, and I understand the desire to see American culture represented in, in food, but you can't leave the Kuwaiti culture behind. And I asked to go to a fairly traditional Kuwaiti uh, restaurant and sample teas and coffees and have some hummus and, you know, mm-hmm. some of those kinds of things. And um, I traveled around uh, Kuwait City uh, most of the day today. We started fairly early in the morning, and I was with five young people. Spent a lot of time talking about, you know, why they eat out, who they eat out with, and what they do. And it's very clear to me that not only here but around the world, people don't eat for nutrition except in distressed countries. Most places in developed societies where you eat for entertainment, socializing with our friends, we're using the smartphones to find out where everybody's going, what's hot, what we're going to do. Um, and I think that uh, there's a real opportunity in Kuwait to take innovation and apply it to traditional Kuwaiti dining. Mm-hmm. I, I saw some beautiful flavors today, beautiful spice blends. I mean, this is part of the, the spice uh, bowl of the world, you mm-hmm. know, uh, here in the Middle East. and. Sure. Uh, with the spice trade of India and what have you, I think there's some great opportunity to combine entertainment, uh, socialization with great traditional um, Kuwaiti food, because Kuwaiti food's about sharing. Um, And I think that there's a great opportunity to have an American influence on the Kuwaiti culture and vice versa to create a really entertaining, wonderful social opportunity and dining in Kuwait. If you just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? <laughs> well, I read a lot, and um, I think one that I've used over and over and over again, um, and this is kind of an odd book because it was written by a Marine Corps colonel from the United States Marine Corps. It's called Semper Fi, Business Leadership, The Marine Corps Way. And it was written by Dan uh, Garrison and uh, backed up with uh, Rod Walsh. Um, This is a book that talks about uh, entrepreneurship, leadership, tactical management, and things of that nature in a very disciplined, precise way with training and practice and practice and practice. And I thought it was one of the best business books I've ever read. It gets a little bit too close to war fighting for my taste because I'm a peace lover, not a war fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think some of the principles involved of leadership, allowing the decision-making to be at the lowest possible level in business. Uh, If you look at the Marine Corps, they train their privates to function on their own and make decisions in a very specific way for the success of the command. And Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting book to read. The other thing I do, I'd recommend that Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, was a prolific writer, and he was a, a very big intellect. I've read every one of his writings, and... uh, um, pretty profound uh, stuff there. So anything that's been written about Jefferson or by Jefferson, I'd recommend also. Awesome. Imagine you are starting a business today with half a million dollar investment. What would you do first? Well, you know, jokingly, I say go find another half million dollars because you're going to use it. Um, mm-hmm. 
because cash is king. But more importantly, I would find, before I started that business, I put that $500,000 in the bank, I'd find a mentor in the same business and go to work for them and learn everything I could about that business before I started it. Because if you start off without having a fundamental knowledge of that business that it's brand new to you, you're going to get into a lot of trouble fast. And today, $500,000 doesn't mean anything. True. You know, 10 payrolls, you're broke. Um, and if you don't get revenue right away and if you don't get profitability right away, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, so I'd be very, very cautious without a mentor or somebody who's got skill sets in that business. And one of the problems we have in, in, around the world today is people that are great employees don't necessarily make great business owners. And people think they can break off from their boss and go start their own company and do what he does better than he does. But if you could do it better than your boss, you'd have already started doing it. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have to leave to prove it to anybody. True, true. So awesome. be careful is my advice. Well, you only awesome. have five hundred thousand dollars. Well, a lot of you know, a lot of people that I know in the private sector and the government sector, they they have that perception that if they leave the job and they start their own, they will be doing much better than what they are doing right now. So that's that's a bit of a challenge that we see. In Heavy Hawaii. risk. <laughs> so one piece of guidance on how our listeners can find you uh, and connect with you online. Well, I'm currently the CEO of Famous Dave's Barbecue based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, Google me, you'll find all kinds of ways to get a hold of me. And you can read my story because everybody's written something about me. Awesome. On behalf of our listeners and Tamkeen as well, we want to thank you so much for sharing such insightful information and knowledge and experience as well. And we really hope that you enjoy your stay in Kuwait and we're looking forward to your seminar on Monday. I, I hope I live up to the expectations. Uh, I know one thing, Kuwait has lived up to my expectations. Looking forward to your event on Monday. Good. See you there. الحين وصلنا إلى نهاية حلقة اليوم من بودكاست لونش توك المتخصص في تغطية الأحداث والإطلاقات في عالم الأعمال في العالم وفي الكويت بشكل خاص. البودكاست موجود في الآيتونز وتقدرون تتابعون حلقاتنا. وتسوون سبسكرايب من خلال برنامج بودكاست الموجود في الاب ستور لاجهزه الايفون والايباد والايباد بالاضافه الى برنامج ستيتشر الموجود لكل الاجهزه او عن طريق موقع البودكاست launchonfire.com وهم تابعوا حساباتنا في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي @launchonfire وإذا عندكم أحد مهتم في إدارة الأعمال والمشاريع الصغيرة المتوسطة دزوا له لينك الموقع أو سووا له منشن في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي ونلقاكم إن شاء الله في الحلقة الجاية.